Welcome to Fitz Dog Radio. It's a rainy, rainy day here in sunny Los Angeles, California. It's pilot season is about to start. I don't know if they're going to delay it. I just got my teeth whitened. I got new headshots. I've been doing a lot of crunches um, and spiritual journeys so that I can connect more to the sitcom material that CBS is putting out this year. See if I can play a dad. I'm too old for a dad. I'm almost in granddad country for TV shows. If I'm even in a country. I think I'm in a small island nation. An archipelago or whatever they call it. I don't even know if I'm in Hollywood's vicinity. But this hat's going to help. I'm wearing my uh, uncircumcised sweater. And my my hat my brother gave me. I think he gave me this hat. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm feeling, uh, pretty good. I had, I have one of those, I don't drink, but I have kind of a, a hangover from fun last night. I went out, I was invited to the, um, Steven Tyler's Grammy viewing party, which was at the Palladium in Hollywood, this beautiful theater. And lots of celebrities, lots of good music, good food. Um, it was great. We just basically, me and me and my friend Tom O'Neill went. I took some mushrooms. I'm not sure if he did. <laughs> and I ran into a bunch of friends. Saw Baba Booey, Gary Delabate from the Howard Stern Show. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years few years and uh so great to see him caught up saw bill burr nikki glazer bunch of comics were there tiffany haddish and uh who else was there jeff ross came by and i was sitting at my table this is the best we come in it's pouring rain and we get inside the tent and and then we sit down at our table and the the placard the the you have a place setting and there your name is in front of your plate each person is just probably a thousand people at this event and you get you they give you your table number sitting next to me is Caitlyn Jenner are you shitting me so everybody at my table saw that it was uh Caitlyn Jenner everybody's waiting for her to show up and she never did she never did it was like waiting for Goodell but I, but we had a table 16 was hot. We had, um, a lot of nice people there. Kelly was there, Bob Saget's, uh, widow and a woman there who sat next to me that I absolutely am best friends with for life. I know that sounds weird, but sometimes you meet somebody and you just connect and her name is Marsha Stephanie. Marcia Stephanie Davis, Marcia Stephanie Davis, and she's an actress, lives in Costa Rica, but just a groovy spirit, and and she's a big Howard Stern fan. She recognized me, which was nice. And then I went and I brought her to to Baba Booey, and she met him, and she was very excited to meet him. Um, but Steven Tyler is amazing. He's got this organization called uh, Jam for Janie, I think it's called. And they raise money for girls that are getting out of foster care to help them integrate into the regular world. They're at very high risk. The women that come out of, you, they turn 18 and they're kind of thrown out of the foster system. And like 50% of them 
have babies in the next few years. 25% are homeless. Um, 75 are on drugs. It's really rough. And so it's a great charity. They raise so much fucking money. What they At one point, Steven's on stage and he's like, all right, who wants to just write a check right now for $100,000? And there's this awkward silence comes over the room because everybody's flipping through their head going, all right, I could be a... I can be a fucking hero right now, but that's a lot of dough. And there's some big wheeler and dealers there. There's a lot of music producers and, you know, people that don't, I don't know what they do, but, you know, you can tell they're rich. Then this fucking dude just stands up, 100 grand, right there on the spot. And then this other woman, they auctioned off a 60, 1965 Corvette, Stingray. Just one of the most iconic, maybe the most iconic Corvette in history, fully restored. And she spent a half a million dollars, $500,000, this little old Chinese lady. And I was just like, all right, what now? Are you going to drive it home? She's going to take it on the highway and go about 35 miles an hour? I mean, that's, it's just, I don't think an old lady is going to get everything that car has to offer. Is she? Uh, I don't know. Maybe she should donate it to like some pimply face seventeen year old who's trying to get fing- he's trying to he's trying to finger bang a girl in his class. This will put him over the top. He's gonna rip that thing into fifth gear on the four oh five at two o'clock in the morning. That's how that car is meant to be driven. Anyway. Uh what else happened there? Oh Jesus Christ, the black crows. I've always been a huge fan of the Black Crows. Uh, I think Shake Your Money Maker is top top 12 rock albums of all time. Maybe 15. Top 15 rock albums of all time. Hit after hit after hit. All rock hard. And uh, uh, Chris Robinson is one of the great front men in history. He is uh, badass. He's cool funky the band is i mean they're just a blues based rock and roll band pure rock band and his audience he's the thing is like it's such a baller move to show up at an industry event where everybody is musicians it's like hot rock and roll chicks it's like you know every dude literally not exaggerating every dude in their head on black jeans like that's it you can only wear black jeans and then like oversized shoes, like funky, weird shoes, a lot of like um, velour blazers, like maroon velour blazers, black fingernail polish, but and and and, and like uh, frizzed up hair, a lot of products. Cool dudes. And to get up on stage in front of this group and fucking bring it. They killed everybody who was on their feet. They did like seven or eight songs. They did a new one that was really cool. But I saw girls in their 20s singing every word to their songs. I I say every word, so I must have been looking at them a lot if I noticed it was every word. There was a lot of eye candy. Uh, Samantha Fox was there. Uh, Zoe Dachanel hosted it. She was charming. Um, Who else? Um... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to sit here and name drop. It was an amazing night. But I was thinking about Chris Robinson and about who I think are the best front men in history. What what rock and roll bands have the best 
front men of all time. Obviously, you got Jagger, Plant, Daltrey. All right, that's that's the Mount Rushmore right there. And then you got, I got to say, a front woman. Chrissy Hine, to me, is one of the great front women of all time. Um, Joey Ramone, Rod Stewart, David Byrne, Freddie Mercury, David Lee Roth. I made a list here. Jim Morrison, Billy Corgan, Lou Reed, Anthony Kiedis, Ozzy. Those are those are my guys. And if I have to throw another woman in there, Annie Wilson. Ann Wilson from uh, Heart is incredible. I hate that it's, uh, it's mostly men, but how many, I don't know how many women are, I guess uh, Janis Joplin and the Holding Company. She was pretty incredible. You had Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane. You had, um, I can't say Sinead O'Connor because she didn't really have a band. It was just, it was her. So I'm talking about bands. So if I'm missing any, write write me at fitzdogradio at gmail.com. What front man am I missing? And don't say Axl Rose. Uh, I don't know. It just some something about him feels too LA. The good ones died. You know, the really great front men, they had the decency to die at 27 years old so they could so there could be lore. You can make up stories about them. Uh, also watched uh, Killers of the Flower Moon over the weekend. And so many people go, uh, it's too long. Uh, it made me sad. I was sad. What do you mean you were sad? What is this? Is fucking news to you? That the Native Americans were treated badly in this country? What are you, a fucking, you've been living in a cave? Did you not? Did you not go to eighth grade history class? Have you not read uh, Howard Zinn? Have you not read Cormac McCarthy? Here's one. Read a, read a book called Empire of the Summer Moon. Uh, that's incredible. Um, what else? And then it's movies. Last of the Mohicans. Um, uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Uh, it's all there. The movie, this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, is a masterpiece. It's Scorsese at his best. De Niro gets out of his own way. You don't see De Niro in the in the role. Uh, DiCaprio's great. The woman that play, I should should have written her name down, but the woman who plays uh, the lead, she's she's incredible. Um, great movie, highly recommended. Worth the three hours and twenty minutes. Just what else you got to do? Huh? All right, I'm going to keep this quick. I'm excited about today's guest. Um, I want to tell uh, somebody last week wrote in and they said, I wish you would tell more stories about your siblings because uh, it seems like you have a lot of funny stuff to say about them. Um, so I thought of two very quick things just just before the podcast. I was like, what are some funny things? Uh, one time, me and my brother were upstairs and my mother was very fun. My mother is this little woman from the Bronx who's very tough and has a very hot temper. Uh, so we grew up with her trying to discipline me. And my brother were raging maniacs. We, we were, we were hell bent on trouble all the time. So we were upstairs and she's yelling at my brother. He's standing at the top of the stairs. She's at the bottom of the stairs. I'm laying on the ground 
near his feet because I'm in jo- We used to love when the other guy got in trouble. We just enjoyed seeing him get reprimanded. So I'm on the floor and my mother is yelling at my brother and I'm laughing. So he starts to grin. He starts to chuckle and she goes, what are you laughing at, Mr. Snickerface? Done. We're fucking done. I howl. He starts howling. She gets the belt. It was worth it. It was worth it. I I don't remember laughing that hard in my life. Um, Mr. Snick, and we called each other Mr. Snickers face for many years. Um, the other one was me and my friend, Sneaky Pete, and my sister were sitting on the roof of our house. And we were smoking pot through an apple with tinfoil as the uh, screen. And we're sitting on the porch, and uh, my next-door neighbor is na- was named Arthur Litt, and he was the town judge. So we're smoking pot, and I, nor- my, my friend Sneaky Pete hands me the apple, and I reach for the lighter, and he goes, with a, with a, you got to picture a lung full of smoke as he's saying it. It's Artie Litt! Artie Litt! And I thought he meant Artie Litt like Arthur Litt, the judge. I thought he meant Arthur... And I threw the apple down the gutter and started going inside and he fucking burst out. Like, he goes, no, I said already lit. <laughs> and me and my sister almost fell off the roof. Um, all right, listen, dates coming up. Don't forget Hollywood. I'm coming, I'm coming there. St. Patrick's day show on March 16th. It's going to be amazing. Uh, at the Improv, I got Helium in Portland coming up, February 22nd to the 24th. Those will sell out. Get your tickets soon. Huntington Beach, The Rec Room, March 2nd. La Jolla Comedy Store, March 8th through the 10th. And Tampa Side Splitters, April 4th through the 6th. Go to fitzdog.com. Get yourself some tickets. And don't forget, if you are um, a member, if you're a premium member, you get half off your tickets just email me the receipt, tell me how many tickets you need, and we'll take care of half your tickets. Uh, also, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp uh, helps you help yourself. I mean, I have been married. It's coming up on 25 years this summer that I've been married, and uh, we had a romantic weekend together. Uh, it, it was just beautiful. I just I feel, I felt so connected to it, and I realized... It was work. You know, marriage is energy you put in and the energy that you get out of it. And uh, BetterHelp is a way to take your relationships to the next level because you can't get close to somebody unless you can accept yourself, uh, feel good about yourself, be honest, break through who you think you are versus who you really are. There's a lot of levels. And I found with BetterHelp, I did a thing called... um, um uh what's it called um why am i forgetting what it's called there's a type of therapy that i did oh, fuck man i talk about it all the time um behavioral therapy cognitive behavioral therapy jesus what a brain fart I've written i've read fucking books about it uh so I found a therapist online. I fill out a quick questionnaire. They paired me up with somebody who was perfect. If they're not perfect, they let you switch. No harm, no foul. Get another therapist, no additional charge. 
It's so convenient. You don't have to get in a car and trudge across town and sit in a waiting room. You just open up your laptop, boom, and it is cheaper than traditional therapy. And uh, it, it, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, BetterHelp has been a part of this show for a long time because I believe in it, and I think everybody should take uh, whatever you can invest in yourself. Do it through BetterHelp. Become your own soulmate. Whether you're looking for one or not, visit betterhelp.com slash Fitzdog today. Get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Fitzdog. Do it. Okay. Uh, my guest today, she's been on before, but the last time was online. This time was in person, which was nice. She's a delight. She's on a Fox animated show now called The Great North. You hear her a lot on NPR, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. She did a movie called Chick Fight with Alec Baldwin. Um, she's amazing. She's got a new special coming out. It just came out, actually. Uh, verified stand-up. And, uh, what, oh, and she's a Daily Show correspondent. That's her main credit. She's a Daily Show correspondent. She's great. I hope you enjoy her as much as I did hanging out with her. Uh, here is... Dulce Sloan. Welcome to the podcast, back to the podcast, Dulce Sloan, who is uh, in person last time. We we're just talking about it. It was the yeah. beginning. It was, well, for... For L.A., it was the beginning of what would be a year of indoor. And in New York, I didn't realize New York went outside so fast. So we... So you guys were already out after a few months. Well, technically, it wasn't lifted, lifted. Yeah. So, like, because the show sent us home the week before lockdown. Because a lot of studios and productions... The Daily Show. The Daily Show. Yeah. Started sending people home actually the week before, like the world went on lockdown. Yeah. So that was in March. Right. And then they were like, okay, we're, we're it's not going to take long, which everyone thought was going to take long. And then LA started, New York started trying to go off like what LA was doing. So it's right. like, then they, LA extended to April, we extended to April. Y'all extended to May, we extended to May. And then June came and they were like, okay, you can go outside, but you can only do stuff outside. Right. Like, you don't have to be confined to your house. And so that's when all the restaurants got the outdoor spaces. That's when we started doing comedy shows outside. Yeah. Um, one outdoor show I never did was there was one in the park. In Central and, Park? Yeah. I don't know which park it was in. I yeah. didn't go. One, I don't go places where there's no bathroom. Um, and two, I'm a grown adult. So yeah. I don't go anywhere there's no bathroom. Because, <laughs> um, like, people hit me up like, oh, we're doing this outdoor show. You want to come? I was like, where can I pee? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm not coming. So Jacob Williams, and I'm um, a great comic from New York, he was telling me that he did this outdoor show in a park. The thing about doing the shows in the park is that you're not allowed to have any amplification. Why not? Because it's illegal in the park. Okay. So, like, you can't play loud music or whatever in this particular park. And so he was just doing stand-up next to a tree uh -huh. with no mic. Right, right. Or um, I think stand-up New York started doing comedy shows in the subway. And I was like, listen. On the cars or on, on the, the cars? No. And I was like, listen. Um, one, I haven't been on the subway since 2019 um, because I'm a good person. Um, what do you mean? Oh, I don't ride the subway. Oh, because you're above that? No, because it bothers me. 
What do you mean? That... There's too many people. Yeah, yeah. There's always somebody touching you. Right. And then you don't say anything. Uh-huh. And then you're just getting bumped too. I feel like somebody's trying to pick my pocket, steal my purse. Yeah. And then it's too many people breathing. It's disgusting. Uh-huh. It's too hot or too cold. Yeah. And yes, I'm above it. So... <laughs> <laughs> You're literally above it. And literally yeah. above it. Yeah. Also, the subway freaks me out because I know how physics works. Yeah. So it's like when you're walking down to the subway, if you see like where the, t- so you see where the sidewalk is and then where the tunnel, there's only this much dirt. I know. And I don't know if you It's see- pretty amazing. And I don't want to test it. Yeah. I don't want to We're also, you're on an island. There's only like- There's an- also a fault line going across 14th Street and they're saying it's, it's just a matter of time. Right. And so- if the train stops, just stops. Yeah. Because like even if you're in traffic, at a certain point, you can get out of a car. Uh-huh. You can always get out of a car. You can't get out of a train. Yeah. So if you're on a train, just, I've been stuck on a train before, and I was like, fuck this. I'm never going through this So again. what do you do? You take Ubers everywhere? Everywhere. What's your Uber bill like every year? I don't year? know. It's tax deductible. <laughs> I love when people use that excuse. You're still spending the money. Yeah, but it's a travel expense. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't count against my income. Yeah. Literally is deducted from my travel expenses. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes your tax rate lower. It makes yeah. sense to me. Right, right, right. And it's all like cabs are all cash. You can't get receipts. I mean, who's, who you does receipts cab, you, anymore? Oh you, can, oh, you can definitely get a receipt printed. They're annoyed when they do it. Yeah. But also it's like anytime you run your card, people are like, I need a receipt. I'm like, why would you need a receipt when you run your card? Right. The card has a record of what ran. Yeah. So the time you need a receipt is you pay in cash. Right. So, so you got Harvey Altman as your accountant? No, I have Jason Brown over at PT. <laughs> oh, okay. PTD. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, well, wait a second. Why am I keeping these receipts? Yeah, the card keeps a record of all these things. Yeah, but yeah, I can't. It's this it's stuff. amazing when you start making money because I don't know how long you've been making money. Probably ten years now. You've been like, um, I started doing stand up full time in oh, oh, sorry, my car just told me that my doors are unlocked. You want them to go down and lock them? Oh, no, I can lock it from here. <laughs> That's amazing. Believe it, it's truly amazing. A quick recap. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons only has the, um, basically, he only got the promo trial got for this beta. software. He, yeah. only got the, he only got the promo trial for the yeah. software he uses for his podcast. <laughs> uh, now, last time I checked, he's done over 1,000 episodes, so I feel like he would have made enough ad money to have $100. But yet, here we are, being the cheap comic he's always been. Hey, the chair is new. How do you like the chair? I mean, I pretty think it was You're like prob- a queen. I mean, I feel like I might be itchy when I get yeah, up. Yeah. I don't know what goodwill you got this chair yeah. from. But this is giving borrowed. Yeah, there was a, there was a labradoodle on there before you. Sustained. That yeah. sounds absolutely accurate. Right, and Marina Del Rey. It sounds right. <laughs> sounds correct. <laughs> Sounds like how things were happening in your life on a daily basis. Yeah. So let's talk about the 60th birthday party at the Improv. Did you did you see people that you wanted to see? Did you see? Yes. Did you run into some landmines where you were like, oh, I don't want to. Uh, listen, the only landmine that I saw ran away from me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I don't have to run from people. Oh, I like that. It's great. My favorite part of it was just sitting there uh, talking shit. Uh, just kiki in with Lonnie Love because I hadn't seen her in a long time. Yeah. And so it was funny because usually when they're just two black women just sitting there enjoying their lives, uh, some white lady will run up and say something silly. Uh-huh. So usually it's like, oh, y'all over here is holding court. And it's like, we're having a conversation yeah. and we don't know you. Yeah. Uh, so, but it is nice because my friends always make fun of me that like, I'm the person that everybody comes and says hi to. Uh-huh. 
which I was like, no, that's not true. And while I'm telling him that's not true, somebody came over and said uh, hi to me. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this does not prove your point. Yeah. Stop looking at me like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice to just chat with her. Um, yeah, I got to see Finesse. I got to see Craig Robinson. Um, a comic, one of the newer comics, Von Roberts. So um, I saw a bunch of people. But it was, um, the improv was the first club I got passed at in L.A. Oh, that's cool. So was it Rita who passed you over there? I believe it was probably Rita yeah. who passed me because right. I got passed there in 2016, uh-huh. right before I moved out here. Well, no, maybe 2015. Okay, I got passed in 2015 when I was coming out um, around when I did JFL. Yeah, because when I did New Faces, I think I got passed the Improv after that. Uh huh. And then I got passed the Laugh Factory when I moved here in 2016. And then I just got my name on the wall at the comedy store. Like oh, a congratulations! Ago. Thank you. People don't people understand what a big deal that is because they don't. It doesn't matter how big you are. I have seen national headliners yeah. like yourself come yeah. in, and it's kind of humbling. But then when it happens, it still feels pretty sweet, right? Well, it's interesting. The thing about it, and I wish more comics thought this way, is that one club doesn't determine how successful you are. Right. As in, am I glad to be passed at the store? Absolutely. That is an achievement. That is a milestone for a comic. But if it never happened, I'm still a good comic and I'm still a working comic. Yeah. And the other thing I wish comics knew is that your credits do not transfer. Right. If you are passed at the store, New York does not care. Right. Chicago does not care. Mm -hmm. Atlanta does not care. Philly does not care. If you were passed at any club in New York, no one in L.A. cares. No one in Philly cares. No right. one in Chicago cares. Your credits don't transfer. Right. So if anything I would want for comics to do is just be nicer to themselves. Mm-hmm. Because if you're working, you're working. If you're passed at, there's four clubs in your city, you only passed at two of them. You're, you're passed at two of them. That's right. And you're also touring on the road. Right. And you're doing, it's like. I feel like sometimes we there's these milestones we feel like we have to hit. Mm-hmm. And if we don't hit them, then it's like, I'm not successful. And it's like, you tour. Right. You sell out shows. Right. I also think that there's something about comedy that, it, you know, people can argue this to some extent. But I think more than a lot of uh, areas of show business, it's a meritocracy. You yeah. go on stage and they either laugh or they don't laugh. And, yeah. You know, and some bookers can make a judgment on whether or not you're making them laugh the way they want Mm -hmm. you know whether that fits in the sensibility of the club if it has a sensibility and that's fine and you can't change that all you can do is do your act but if you do your act well there's a you you will succeed it's a business where you can't be stopped if you're funny if you just keep showing up and i see so many comics that are really funny get discouraged because there's so many comics that aren't funny who have a lot of confidence yep and it is still the wildest thing yep to see because it's like where did you i watched you bomb yeah all five of us who were on this show yeah watched you bomb the audience watched you bomb yeah and then you got up and was like i mean that was great you're like what did you hear yeah yeah and i have seen comics fucking kill and they'll go ah that one joke and i was like one joke yeah david tell beats himself up he oh. annihilates and then beats himself up. It's nuts. It's so yeah. Every time I see him, I go, hi, Mr. Attell. And I don't think he's ever been, like, understood what's happening. 
Because they go, oh, hey. And then I think I always go, why does she call me that? That's my favorite thing. Because I'm just, just all of a sudden, I'm just 10. Hi, Mr. Attell. He's That's like, hilarious. hey, what's up? I don't think he's ever. I'm probably the only person who calls him Mr. in a month. But anytime I yeah. see him, it's the same thing. Hello, Mr. Attell. He's like, great. all right. Yeah. Stop it. Um, But it's also like, I think it's good to not achieve everything. You know, it's like. It's important that maybe you have some milestones that you don't hit because it keeps you working hard, you know. And if you, even if you never hit them, the fact that you were working towards something isn't isn't a bad thing as long as you're not beating yourself up about it. Right. Because or ignoring the other achievements that you have. Right. Right. Because I've seen comics who perform at JFL yearly. Yeah. And will have a show, or they're on a show that runs for at JFL the whole time. Like they're they're in Montreal for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, I always hated I didn't get new faces. And I was mm-hmm. like, you're here every yeah. year. Right. There are people that get new faces and then never come back to Montreal. Yeah. It's been a blessing that I've gone back a couple of times. You know, I've been like maybe like three times. or mm-hmm. so I was a new face in 2015. I've been back like three or four times. But there's people who I was a new face with who have never been back mm-hmm. to Montreal. And I was like, it's a credit you don't need, but it's nice. I was like, I li- you literally don't. Need it because yeah. I've been back, but I was I've done galas and stuff, but I haven't gone back to. And the galas are great, but it's are they? They're, I mean, what is it? Well, first of all, let me tell you something. I'm from the south, yeah. So when you tell me gala, mm-hmm. I remember I was like there was this gala, and I, I, my manager was there, Reg Tigerman. I was like, there's these galas. I don't have a dress, and he was like, what? Uh. <laughs> I was like, there's not. A, I went to a gala at the Emmys. I had a dress on. That's so I was like, I, he was like, oh no, they're just shows. I was like, yeah. Why is it called a gala? It's yeah. just a big ass show. Right. I was very confused. Yeah. Because like I did a Russell Peters gala. We were just doing a show. Uh-huh. I was like, y'all need to, come on, Canadians. Right. Y'all need right. to gala right. This isn't a debutante ball. No, which I would have loved to have been a debutante. Yeah. But I was like, yo, man, I'm from the South. Y'all got to use words right. Yeah, this that's hilarious. I just find those galas are tough because sometimes it's like a four o'clock show and the crowd is really old and then they put 12 people on the show yeah. and you're at the end and it's like... Uh, I've had good and bad experiences with the galas. It just depends, but like if you get a nice like sweet spot like seven p.m. Yeah. Ooh, a seven p.m. gala. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Yeah, that. Can what a be situation. Good. Right. But yeah, it's interesting. I just, I just really wish that like. I really wish that comics would. Pay attention, to what they have, mm-hmm. instead of always looking at what they don't have. Compare and despair. Right. And so and that's what I'm trying to do with my life is just go, I have these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to do at the end of last year. I was like, I didn't do this. You know, it's like because I do want to get married. I do want to have kids. And I'm not any closer to that than I was five years ago. And it was like I didn't achieve anything. My friend was like, bitch, you bought a house. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah. You bought a house and a car in the same month. You move your whole family out. You got nominated. And I was like, yeah, all right. Wait, finish what you're saying. You got nominated. So the show got nominated, and then we won. And then I found out this morning I got nominated for a GLAAD Award. Nice. For So you know how I hosted The Daily Show and then the strike started? Yeah. So the episode that I had was I was interviewing um, Sasha Colby, who is now my mother of the House of Colby. Um, and she was talking about, and she was the runner of RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, season 15, I believe. And she was talking about how, like, being a happy trans person. And that episode got nominated for a GLAAD Award. I just oh, found out this morning. Okay. So I might win a GLAAD Award. 
Nice. That's pretty cool. So the show went on Monday and I went on stage and it was interesting because it's like, it was funny because after, uh, after Trevor left and the show got nominated, I was like, we're going to win the, the year that he's not here. Yeah. That's when we're going to win. All right. That's when we're going to win. And then, of course, taking moving John Oliver to another category really helps. So, yeah. That, I that mean, that's guy's how, like a magnet for awards. Crazy. Every award show he wins. He beat SNL. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they just, 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 the votes just follow him. But Trevor started his, the And the Black speech. Lady uh, sketch show. Black Lady sketch show. Which is very funny. Very funny. Robin Thede. And uh, they made an amazing show. And they were up against SNL. And I was like, if Black Lady sketch show beats SNL. This would be crazy. And it didn't, but that's not the point. I'm saying it. I think they did win it one year, they though. Won, I think their first year they won They won, won an editing oh, award. It's, okay. it's not been against, it's not been the show as a category. Yeah. It's been like, edit. it's like editing awards and things like that. Um, which is still an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's how Trevor started his exception speech where saying, um, I knew we could be John Oliver if they took him out of the category. It's yeah. basically yeah, right. what it was. So is it, is it weird because, um, have you the whole time you've been there? Was it Trevor? Trevor? Because mm. if he leaves, do you, is there a worry among the staff that like there's going to be personnel changes with a new host? I don't. I haven't even had time to think about that. Well, now you're thinking about it because I put it in your head. Well, no, I'll say it's. I don't know if that affects us. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on a TV show. Uh, talent is the last to know anything right so you read about it in the trades you read in the trades yeah. that'll tell you yeah um i don't know if we get yeah. a new host we don't i don't know and they haven't decided on a new host yet right when i tell you talent is the last to know wow. anything. wow i don't yeah. know anything yeah i don't know anything but i also like knowing nothing yep because i can't worry about anything if i know nothing love your mindset. You're so introspective. Thank you. I read, I didn't read your whole book, but I read a, a bunch of it. And it, it really is. It's like you, some shit you say in there. Like at one point you say that your friends would punch you in the face if they knew what you were saying about yourself. Yes. And when that I'm... our our own narrative about ourselves defines how we feel and the choices that we make. Yeah. My friend said to me that if someone spoke to me the way that I speak to myself, they would punch that person. Right. Oh, right. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So it's, and two of my friends who have never met each other, who living, one lives here and one lives in Atlanta. Yeah. Both said that to me within like the same year. Right. And I was like, okay, I need to work on this. So what did you used to say to yourself that you don't now? Um, I'm just trying to be nicer in general just how I speak to myself because it's like I put a lot of pressure on myself mm -hmm. in the same way for prime example I was like I don't know everyone's thinking about it over their year and I'm like there's all these things I didn't do mm -hmm. and that's why my friend reminded me bitch you bought a house here it's like, it's like so it's all of these things so I didn't even think about those things because I'm too busy looking at what I don't have, which is a lot of what comics do. Mm -hmm. Is just go, I need to do boom, 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 boom. Okay, goal, met it, boom, bye. Goal, met, boom, bye. And I have to stop thinking that way. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, do people treat you the way they treat you because of how you look or these things? Because it's like someone's always, I'm still black. So I'm still a woman. I'm still a plus-size woman. So when someone's always going to have a opinion of who I am, my body, and they're always going to have pre preconceived notions about me. I'm always going to be the bad guy. I'm always going to be a monster. I'm always going to be this person. 
And so you have to go at a certain point. Do I, because I've been acting since I was a child and I'm a consummate performer. There you go. And I love to give the audience what they want. Yep. So do I act like the person that you think I am or do I continue to be the person that I am and I want to be? Right. Because if you want me to be loud and rude when I come in here, sir, we can be 10 toes down. Yeah. But I better win an Emmy in this bitch. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. if you want me to put on a performance of a century, uh-huh. I will be Viola Mayor Street, Davis, Julianne Moore. I will do everything in here to make you realize that if this is the person that you want me to be, okay, I will hurt your fucking feelings because that's what you expected me to do. Right, right. You wanted me to be intimidating? Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm not intimidating. You're intimidated. And yeah. you don't know why. Right. Because I've had to do everything I can to still have confidence when the world tells me I shouldn't. Right. Right. Every day somebody wakes up to make sure that I feel bad about myself. Mm-hmm. People pass laws. People pass just, there's companies that make sure that my clothes aren't in a store. Mm-hmm. For what? Mm-hmm. I still have money. Right. So throw some extra fabric on a fucking hanger. Because you know who makes sure my clothes is always in stock? Walmart. Walmart keeps my clothes in stock. Is that right? Yeah, Walmart. Keep a plus size. Walmart knows their clientele. Yeah. So it's... There's a lot of people that spend a lot of time making sure people feel bad about themselves because of who they are and how they look. Right. And it sounds exhausting. It it well it is and it's um you know it's a it's a advertising culture. Everything in our culture is about how do we fucking squeeze an ad be in the seat behind you when you're in an airplane mm-hmm. or when you're watch, trying to watch a video on the internet. It's like we are just inundated and these images are are created by people that have uh, a very narrow view of what what our society should be. Right. But there's also legislation that tries to make sure that because it's like I've just never understood how what someone does with their body unless they're causing harm to someone else mm-hmm. has anything to do with people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not harming another person, why do you care if someone decides, hey, this isn't the body that I'm comfortable in? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Because you have no problem with somebody getting new titties, a new ass, a new face. Right, right. No matter how many times I'm going to walk That's in there. That's a good point. But if someone wants to go, hey, this isn't the body that I feel like I should be in, so I need to change certain things about my body. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody has a fucking opinion. So the new titties are only allowed to go on women. Yes. Yeah. New titties? No. You were man, right, you want new titties? Right. You feel like that you were born into the wrong body? Mm-hmm. Or you are someone... You, who know how many you identify, non-binary, whatever, you're like, I need me some titties. I mean... And if you're not a cis, hetero woman, you shouldn't get titties? Yeah. That money, that car's going to charge the same. That's right. That cash going to be the same. So why do you have an opinion about it? Yeah. But also, it's it's the same thing. It's like, well, your hair is not real, and da-da-da-da-da, and these women are... Listen, there's a lot of men who need... Men have been wearing toupees forever. And you've made the choice to not do that. Yeah. You've gone full Patrick Stewart. That's it. I own it. Patrick Stewart. Live your life. Yeah. Live your life. Yeah. Remember back in the day when you used to put screws in men's heads so they can tie their toupees on? Yeah. Yeah. I know guys that have the scars on the back of their neck because they did the- Hair transplant. The hair transplant. Listen, you know how many men are going to Turkey? That's the- Turkey? Yes. That's where you go for the hair transplant. No so, shit. Yeah. So you go to so Brazil, Dominican Republic, Miami, you get a new ass. Mm-hmm. And then for men who want a new hairline, they go to Turkey. Wow. Around the world. Listen, get out of America. You can get some stuff done. My friend went down to Mexico to get his teeth done. A lot of people are doing that. My mother went to uh, Colombia to get work done like 20 years ago. 
No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went down and his teeth were rotting, and so he uh, they put in all they they had to shave him down. Yep. Cap him. Yep. So he was down there for a month and a half. Sounds right. And then he came back, and a year later, like they just started falling out. Yeah. No, they didn't start yeah, falling, out. falling out. Oh no. Yeah. So I mean, in general, they're good, but I don't know if he went to somebody reputable. But I mean, he was going to have to spend like sixty thousand dollars here, and he ended up spending about a tenth of that down there. Well. But that's what you get. I mean, it depends on where you go. You also got to do your yeah. research. Right. So, but yeah, it's. I'm always confused as to why we spend so much time just trying to make people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. So. Well, it's totally logical. It's, I mean, it's if you don't, I mean, in the words of RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Yeah. Right. So if you can't love you. Yeah. Then of course I have to make other people feel bad. I struggle with that so much. And sometimes I go like, like, I don't want to be mad at my mother. Yeah. Or my father. Mm-hmm. But where did it start? Where did this I have this insane self-loathing that I have gotten past. I've managed to have a career for, you know, 33 years. God bless, yeah. Working hard, luckily been able to get opportunities, but it's all been despite this monologue inside that's told me that I'm skinny, I'm bald, I'm, I'm not masculine enough. Like, all these things that men get. Yeah. So I can get it as... You have circumstances that are, by society standards, much more difficult than what mm-hmm. I've been against. But I get the dynamic. And yeah. the, the thing you said in your book about looking at that that conversation in mm-hmm. your head and challenging it. Yeah. So where do you get the strength to challenge it? Do you go, you go to therapy or you rely on friends or you have spirituality? or? Well, one, thank God I'm pretty. And you are pretty. Thank you. And so uh, that is step one. Yeah. Is just going, oh, okay. It is going to sound fucked up, but it's like, even though there's all of these things, it's, hey, she's still pretty. Or it's, because I've heard you're pretty for a black girl. You're pretty for a fat girl. And I was just like, (laughs) and some dude said that. I was like, sir, one, you could have stopped pretty. That's where, because see, this is what happened. Yeah. Oh, you're pretty. Mm. 4A, and that's when the legs close. Do you yeah. understand? The amount of pussy that men have talked themselves out of is absolutely amazing to me. Because you could have seen between yeah. me down there, if you'd have stopped, there, there should have been a period where you put a comma. Yeah. And so I also, it's it's a constant conversation of you have this bad thought, and then you let it go mm-hmm. because I've looked at a picture of myself and been like, I can name all the things that I don't like in that picture. And then two days later I can see that picture and go, Oh, I do look good. Or right. just a picture from, or the picture just from just another angle. Right. And it's like, Oh, I do look nice or all like this. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm very like for a long time, I couldn't listen to my voice recorded or I couldn't watch myself. Yeah. Um, because I was knit, I would, this was this, and I should have got the, and all of the, the slangle, and oh, I shouldn't have worn this shirt, and da 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 da. Because for a long time, I couldn't watch myself on Daily Show. Yeah. Or on anything that I did. Because I would go, oh, I did this, and they did this, and da 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 da. And so it's still a thing, but it's like, because I have those moments where I can look at one picture and go, I look awful. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, and look at that same picture and go, I look great in this picture. What do you think the difference is? How I felt that day. Yeah. And so I have to, and so I know that how I feel about myself fluctuates, fluctuates and changes. Mm-hmm. 
So I can't always trust how I assess myself because I know it changes. Right. So I have to go, okay, I'm not telling myself the truth all the time. Right. So I have to make a conscious effort to go, it is okay if on this day I look at this picture and go, I look ugly. Mm -hmm. And then two days later I can look at the same picture and go, I look great. I have to acknowledge that those are both thoughts that I had. But at the end of the day, the positive thought is probably the accurate thing. Because I was talking to my manager about something. And he said to me, oh, I was talking about the book. And all I could see was like what was wrong and all the things. And he was just like, he said, I want you to take a day and talk about me. Talk to me about this tomorrow. Yeah. He said, because right now you're in a spiral. Right. And I noticed them. And now because I've gone to therapy, I was going to therapy about a year. And my therapist broke up with me because I moved. And I did not know this, but telehealth. So I had to get a new therapist because I moved to L.A. Yeah, you can't do it for a therapist in the same state, in a different state. Even though we're on Al Gore's exactly. internet. Exactly. Right. Which is wild. And I was like, it's just right. like, being, and I was like, since she's not licensed for California, she can't therapize me. It's crazy. But even like I was meeting with like, I had a telehealth thing for like a nutritionist or something. And they asked me before I got on, they're like, are you in the state of California? I was like, oh, no, I'm on the road. They're like, well, then she can't meet with you. So some girl couldn't tell me what to eat because right. I was in Indiana. Which is where you need to be told how to eat. I mean, listen, I'll find lettuce somehow. <laughs> um, but I've been to Scotland. I don't know how those people survived. Yeah. I didn't see. I never fought so hard to eat a vegetable in yeah. any place in my entire hey. life than when I was in Scotland. Haggis. I had it on a, and I was like, ah, this is. This and I, I remember I was there and then I'd gone to London like maybe two years later and I was like, Oh, this is why colonization happened. <laughs> this is why colonization happened. Because if I'd have got out of here and been able to be warm and dry, yeah, I'd have brought everybody and guns with me too. And like, find some spices, listen, and some people with tans. I gotta get the hell up yeah. out of here. Right, right. What is this? Oh, the sun? Yeah. Let me get oh bring everybody. Right. right. I'm killing all of y'all. I'm yeah. taking your shit. Because yeah. <laughs> it's wild because they had all these spices. They didn't take them. You've had the food in England. They didn't use yeah. them. They were like, ah, tea. Right. Let's put these leaves in, let's put these leaves in some water and let's right. really get into it. Right. So, yeah, I was. I remember just, I was, I was, it was just rainy again and it was hot. It was, and I was like, yeah, this is why they took over fourth of the planet. Yeah. They yeah. The fuck out of here. They had to move on. They had to move on. The coolest thing that I saw was a, I was hosting this show called The Great American Joke Off. We filmed it in London. We were all confused. Don't worry about it. And so it's the people that do Whose Line Is It Anyway, so I guess they filmed that over there too. But they... um they, Was it British comics competing? It was British comics against American comics. Okay. Well, it was like a mix of the teams. Uh-huh. Um, and so there was one night I was sitting, I was on the balcony of the, uh, the flat... <laughs> flat. The condo I was in, in the flat. And... Foxes over there are kind of just like raccoons. They're just outside, and so and apparently it was a nice and I was in Knightsbridge, which is a very nice part of London. And I'm standing on the balcony, and I see a fox like crossing the street, and I said, "Ooh, a fox!" And the fox looked at me, and then dropped his head like "hello," <laughs> and then he ran across the street. I said. Did this fox just curtsy? This fox just bowed at me? 
And nobody wanted to believe me. And I was like, no. I said, ooh, a fox. And the fox stopped and went, milady. And then he went on about his fox night. And nobody wants to believe me, but I know what I saw. That I, uh, fox said, milady, yes. and kept going. Foxes and get it. They he's a get gentleman beauty. fox. That's right. He's a gentleman fox, and yeah. I will not let anybody, anybody tell me that I did not see a gentleman fox. How dare you? I saw Lord Foxworth out on his nightly rounds, and he was having an amazing evening, and I was glad to be part of I was happy to be in his presence. You saw a fox. I saw a fox who bowed. Yeah, I like it. Come on, foxy lady. Wow, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And, um, listen. We had one time when I was a kid. This is how old I am. Mm. But uh, we had steel roller skates. This is before there was like polyurethane. Yeah. They were fucking steel wheels on roller skates. We already had rubber, so why did this happen? We, my mother, I didn't grow up poor. I grew up middle class. But I'm saying, but my mom had a poor mentality. She didn't buy us anything nice. But what I'm saying is, why was we already had wheels, and we already had rubber? Because so why did a company put steel wheels on roller skates? We already had rubber as an invention. Right. So not that what your brother bought them. Right. Why were why they, were they be, available? Why were they available? Right. Why were they being made? Yeah, they shouldn't have been made. No, because it was steel. They were cheaper. How was rubber expensive? It's on yeah. every car. Right. I have a problem with the manufacturer. I hope that company went out of business immediately. I think they did, and we used to skate on them, and our road was, the asphalt was a little rough. Yeah, because it's so, asphalt. So, but, you know, sometimes it's, like, nice, smooth. Yeah, okay. This was, like, rock. This is when they put a lot of rocks in the asphalt. Oh, like and just so, truly gravel. Yeah, it was gravel with some glue. Right. And so we would skate on these, and our fucking fillings felt like they were going to fall out of your teeth. It was just, so one night, we hear this noise in the garage. It's just like a, and we think it's an intruder. So my mom's, op- my mom opens up the kitchen door to the garage, and we look out, and there was a raccoon. Yeah. With his front feet on the roller skate, and he was pushing it around the garage in a circle. That's funny as hell. And this is before cell phones. This is before video. Right. This would have been the greatest viral video of all time. Yes. He didn't nod to me though. He didn't bow. Listen, my mother told me one day she called me. Our cat, Queen Esther, who we still have, uh, my mother called me one day and she said, uh, I was at work and she called me and she said, uh, Queen Esther, because she would leave her for work at like five in the morning, so I was asleep. And she said, Queen Esther was at the end of the, sitting at the end of the driveway with a fox. Really? Just hanging out. No shit. Just her and the fox, just sitting at the end of the driveway. This is in Georgia. And... She said another day she came out to work and she saw the fox chasing the cat. And at first she was, and she was like, oh shit, what do we do? And then she came, and then it was the cat chasing the fox. So they were just playing around. Wow. And then there were, she said one day she came out for work and they were just sitting on the end of the driveway just yeah. having a time. That's amazing. See, and if, if they can get along, why can't white people and black people get along? one of us isn't a fox. Oh, right. Also, they don't have money. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm sure. Because I wonder about that. I'm like, do they know that they're? Well, because I think about it. Because it's like our cat Miracle um, was one day killing. She was always killing a squirrel. She loves mm. hunting shit. Yeah. One day I saw her grab a bird out the sky. Really? Like the bird was like sitting there with to take off, and she grabbed it by the wing, and she ran in the garage. We never found this bird, so I don't know where it went. Um, but she kept killing. All, one day I came home from work, and there was a squirrel laying on the front porch, and I was like, oh. The squirrel is sleeping on the 
That squirrel's not asleep. Yeah. And then I called my brother and he took care of it. But she was killing all these squirrels. And my mother was like, you got to stop killing all these squirrels. Next day, there's a dead chipmunk in the yard. Or, and then Esther one day was in the yard and she's, mom, 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 mom. We look out, she has killed a chipmunk. And then my mother was like, so cats call squirrels squirrels? Because I told her to stop killing squirrels. And now she's killing chipmunks. So do they call animals what we call? Do squirrels know that they're squirrels? Yeah, right. Do squirrels know that we call them squirrels? Uh-huh. Because it was like, oh, well, this is a squirrel. Yeah. The cat's like, well, that's obviously a squirrel. But this little joke, well, that's a chipmunk. That's she a said, strong move if you're a cat. Right. Don't well, let them know you can understand. Just right. be quiet. But the question is, I didn't know that. So the squirrels know that they're squirrels because the cat knew it was a squirrel. Yeah. So it was like, she said stop killing squirrels, and then she killed the chipmunk. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. That's my first thought. Yeah. I didn't know they used the same words we use. Right. Because <laughs> it's not like as a kid you have to teach kids animals. Yeah. We found Miracle on the side of the road. And I did not sit up with a baby book and Miracle mm-hmm. and go, this no. is the elephant. Uh-huh. This is the lion. Yeah. This is the squirrel. This is the chipmunk. Yeah. So how do they know which one is which? Miracle just sat on the couch, took it in. Right. I mean, I and did. followed put... directions. God Listen, bless her. I'll tell you this. We did. Put... I would go to work and I would leave PBS on. And so maybe that's how they learn. Oh. By watching PBS all day because Esther loves. Is she a liberal too? The cat? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, she's been waiting for her tote bag forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because Queen Esther, she used to watch, where I would watch Bob Ross, she'd sit at the very end of my bed. Because in my first apartment, like, the TV was very close to the end of the bed. And she, and I would come home for, like, the 1 a.m. show. And so it was, like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and Bob Ross was on. Yeah. And she loves Bob, and so now uh, my mother will put on Bob Ross, like, for her during the day because there's a Bob Ross YouTube channel. That's amazing. And so she watches like Bob Ross, especially in the evening when I'm home. So she doesn't come downstairs because of the dog. Yeah. And she's 15 years old and the dog is two. Yeah. So he's got a lot of energy. He's a yeah. German Shepherd. And so she'll start going, rah, rah, rah. and we're like, come downstairs. And she's like, rah. so she's not coming. Uh, But my mother like, go turn her TV on. And so you go upstairs and you put on the Bob Ross marathon on YouTube channel. And she watches her Bob Ross. Wow. Because one day I came in the room and she was like, just watching this man paint. Yeah. I can see that. She loves it. Yeah. I mean, he's entrancing. It's like, I've never painted in my life, but I've watched hours of that guy paint. It makes you feel like you can. Yeah. Right. And then somebody, uh, I saw it on Instagram, they took all of the pictures that he painted and put them in order in like a video. And, a, and it's like it's one continuous so it's like each scene is a play off the previous thing no kidding he's like the way he, i don't know if this is really? true the way he put it together but it looks like you're moving through a place no shit. and then going through different seasons in that place it's like what but they robbed that man oh All he didn't get paid he uh let's just say i don't think his family gets any part of his legacy okay so like the bob ross kits that they have and stuff now also i found out he had a perm Oh, of course he did. I was upset. Yeah, yeah. But I remember as a kid, they were like, well, you know, he's actually in jail painting this. And I was like, really? Mm-hmm. I think there was just because there was no background. And I was like, yeah. oh, you don't know what public access TV is. <laughs> I tried to watch a documentary about him. The first 15 minutes was so sad, I had to cut it off. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. No, the feel-good one is the one about Mr. Rogers. Have you seen that documentary? No, because I never liked Mr. Rogers. You didn't like Mr. Rogers? As a kid, Rogers? he me out. Really? I didn't like that he was changing clothes in front of children. Kind of a pedo feel, yeah. It felt weird. Yeah. And my someone was like, he was just changing sweaters. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. And plus, he talked too slow. 
His puppets was raggedy. Yeah. I didn't like it. I, I never think, liked Mr. Rogers. I think I felt neutral about him until I saw this documentary, and then I realized, like, as an adult, I think I liked him more than I did as a kid. Probably. Also, the man single-handedly saved PBS. Yes. As a network, as a concept, as a label. Right. Um, he saved PBS. He's going to go before Congress and explain to them the value. Oh, that's right. He had to sit before yep. Congress and explain yep. the value of PBS to them. Yeah. And they're like... Oh, yeah, we could just have people that just say what the news is. He was also, also very progressive on race. He There was a point where the mailman was black, mm-hmm. and he washed his feet Yeah, they put their episode. feet in the, um, they were like, because I see little clips and stuff. Yeah. And it was like there was an episode where it was like it was hot outside. Hey, let's share a beverage, and we'll put our feet in this pool of water. Yeah. And it was like, this is crazy. Yeah. What I think is so interesting is um, America tells a very specific lie about racism and that is that it only occurs in the south right i've always thought that was the strangest thing right because i've been to america and i've lived here my entire life and i will tell you right now other places are racist boston is probably the worst in the country i was in boston doing shows i said you know that they say about boston you get your bachelor's in racism in the south you get your master's in boston mm-hmm. they didn't like that no started my no they like don't that. like it when you say it when you're up but there. the black people were like thank you yeah. I was like you're welcome all right um but that was the thing that was so odd to me because like i remember i moved to new york they're like oh new york is such a melting pot i was like no it's not mm. why do you say that i said because if you know where a race of people lives that's not a melting pot. Right. There's a term I lived in, and I was at gifted classes when I was a kid, all through school. And I had a gifted social studies class, and they said the true term of America is not a melting pot, it's a salad bowl. Yeah. Meaning you all occur and you all exist in the same place, but you stay what you are. Mm-hmm. If you're a carrot, you're always a carrot. You don't become soup. Right. We don't all become this one minestrone kind of beef stew situation. If you're a carrot, you're a carrot, and then you put on the dressing that is the American flag. Mm-hmm. But you don't become anything else because you can always go through and pick all the carrots out right. and then put them in Washington Heights. And actually, I consider Atlanta, and I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta, and I know mm-hmm. you, you grew up there, mm-hmm. the most integrated city I've seen in some ways. Yes. And what people it's so funny because I grew up in a predominantly, when we moved back to Atlanta, I was in a predominantly Mexican neighborhood. Uh-huh. Mexican El Salvadorian, and a majority of my neighbors were illegal. Yeah. And so I remember one day when I was 19, I'd come home from school. I think it was like maybe a holiday or something. And it was a Sunday morning, and I heard all this yelling. And I woke up, and I looked out the window, and there were eight. This was when ICE had just started. So this was like a year after ICE had started. And there was like eight 20-passenger vans that came through the neighborhood. No shit. And one of the ICE officers, I was looking out the window of our front door, and I remember looking him, looking me in the face, and I saw him go, and he went, and he said, not her, and he kept going. So an ICE officer looked me in my face and went, she's black, we don't need her. And then they took my neighbors, and then they took my other neighbors. And so they left with full vans. Yeah. All of them were full. They brought in eight vans, they left full. And there was whole apartment buildings where it was like, Four-unit buildings or eight-unit buildings, and everybody was Whoa. gone. No and they hit on a Sunday morning because that's when the men were home. Uh-huh. So they made sure they got. So, like, my, um, one of the guys I grew up with, his neighbors, it was a married couple, and they had four kids, four or five kids. And she had, like, a fresh baby. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think six months old, not even three months old. And so the first two kids are born in Mexico. In the last, or Mexico, was that, were they also No, Mexico. And then the last three kids were born, last two kids were born in America. Mm-hmm. But the whole family gets deported and then the kids can come back when they're 18. No kidding. But if your parents aren't legal. Yeah. And you're under 18, you have to go back with right, them. Right, right. And what they do, because one of my homeboys got deported, and he's Guatemalan, and it took them six months to, t- to send him back. Because here's the thing people don't realize. When you get deported, if they don't have, like, a plane full at the time, like, if they didn't have a plane full of people, you just stayed in detention until there was enough people from your country mm-hmm. to fill up a plane. Yeah. So he stayed in detention until they had enough Guatemalans to send back, and then he got deported. Wow. So, and then Atlanta has, like, I think the third largest Korean population in the country. Oh, really? Because there was, I, so I've been watching Korean dramas, since, which are very popular now. To go along with your drink? Hey. Um, but, and also they just, uh, there was an article recently in the New York Times about how popular Korean dramas are among black women. But I started watching them when I was, like, 14 or 15 because Atlanta has a Korean TV station called KTN. Uh-huh. And so some of them had subtitles and some of them didn't. And so that's how I started watching them because, like, the more the ones that were set in modern times had subtitles. Because otherwise, I don't even know what the hell was going on. Right. Korean. I know a few words now to be cute. But that's how I started watching them, like, when I was a teenager because Atlanta had, a, had like, a Spanish channel, had a Korean channel, and then all the regular English channels. Right. So... It's a very diverse place, but people don't want to believe you because it is the hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm going there tomorrow. I'm working at the um, the Punchline. Mm-hmm. Have you worked at Club? Yeah. I mean, I've tried to headline there, but they're for some reason not. Yeah. They never get back to my agent. That's hilarious. So I've stopped. And you're from there. It's uh, always the place you're from. That's the, Boston was the last place to let me headline, and that's where I started doing comedy. I headlined there, I think, a year ago, and I was at... Um, City winery. Uh-huh. But in one night, I made twice as much money as I would have made right. doing a weekend at the Punchline right. or any other club. So I'm just like, I think I'm okay. Yeah. I think I'm okay. Yeah, the City Winery gigs are nice. They're nice. Yeah, they're, they're nice. They're and so over. it was like, but it's interesting because my agents are like, we're trying to get you a weekend. Mm-hmm. I was like, and what's interesting is like, when the comics was like, oh, the lady over at the Punchline, you know, she's so proud of you. I said, that's interesting. <laughs> Really? And she's like, yeah, she says that she's proud of you all the time. I said, she says that for your benefit, not uh-huh. mine. Yeah. I, because you know what she's never said to me? She's like, what? That, that she's proud of me. Mm-hmm. She says that for your benefit. She doesn't say it for my benefit. Yeah. And I don't know why she's lying to you. Right, so right, I don't right. understand the point of this. So what, what what club did you work when you were in Atlanta? Um, I started at the Skull. But oh, the, you did? Yeah. Wow. So the, I took a stand-up class. Big Kenny was teaching it. Uh-huh. And I, um, so the club, so the, cause a friend of mine used to run the door at the funny farm and one of my little sisters from college. Is that Roswell? Mm, off Retta. So okay. like Roswell, off Retta area. Yeah. And one of my little sisters from college ran the door and so she let me in for free. So it's like 2007. And then I met like Big Kenny and Clayton English and, um, a couple other comics and just from talking to them and having conversations with them, they're like, you start doing stand up. I was like, I'm really all right. But I have a theater degree, and I was afraid, I was honestly afraid to do stand-up. Yeah. Because I'd never been on stage where I was saying my own words, and I was myself. Right. And so he was like, no, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. 
And so for two years, he had me come see him do Blacktop, uh, which is like, I think at the time, the only all black improv group. Uh-huh. Um, and they would perform at uh, the old um, Uptown. Okay. When it was still like right across, when it was still downtown near Georgia Tech. And so anytime we'd have a new stand-up class, he's like, come on, come on, come on. I was like, ah. And then come like April of 2009, I'd gotten laid off from a job. I was on unemployment. Um, also, for those of you that don't know, unemployment is not welfare. Unemployment is not public assistance. Unemployment is paid into every time you have a job. You pay for it. You pay yeah, for unemployment. Right. Because what you don't know, when you file for it says unemployment insurance. Mm-hmm. So you know those lines when they take money out of your paycheck? Yeah. One of those lines is unemployment. Right. It's not welfare. Yeah. Stop putting your family through this. Go get your unemployment mm-hmm. check. There's no shame. There's no shame because you I know a lot of people were- during the pandemic that weren't taking unemployment. I was like... What the fuck is right? That's your money. That's your money. I worked for 30 years without taking unemployment. When that pandemic hit, I was like, give me my fucking money. And you know what they did? Mm. They paid me. And then like a year later, they they sued me because I had gotten a residual check during that year and a half period. Oh, you have to report that as income. I didn't know. Like the residual yeah. it comes in. It's like direct deposit. I didn't notice that like yep. a, a $60 check came in for a TV show I did nine years ago. Yep. So I ended and up it, having to give them thousands of dollars back for sixty bucks. Uh, because they they claim the whole quarter. They they discount like the whole quarter. Okay, no, that's just fucked up. Because yeah. I've I've gotten unemployment. Um, I've, I've I've had to do stuff. I've had to deal with that. It's yeah, like you have to. But it's interesting because I wouldn't even thought to even include a residual check as income. And so, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Big Kenny. Came and came to me again. He was like, "I'm doing a new stand-up class," and I was like, "And the class is three hundred dollars, and that was basically like my entire unemployment check." Yeah. And I was like, "Unk, I don't have the money for this." And he's like, "You don't have to pay. You're supposed to be a comic. I'm not going to charge you for the class." Nice. And so I was still, I wasn't sure. And then I saw, and I was telling my mom about it, and she said she had a dream that the whole world was laughing at me, and she was like, "In the dream, like, why are you laughing at my child?" <laughs> and I was like, all right, Jesus. All right. All right. That's I hear amazing. You. All right. So between my mother's dream yep. and Big Kenny not charging me, I started taking a stand-up class. And then the Funny Farm closed while we were in the middle of doing the class. And then we moved over to the Laughing Skull that had just opened. Yeah. And so my graduation class was at the Laughing Skull. Nice. And so that's the club I started at. But so you owe Big Kenny a lot. Yeah. And I talk about him all the time. Yeah. I talk about him all the time. He was really a blessing. Um. Because sometimes people see talents and abilities in you that you can't see in yourself. And so I think that's one of the takeaways that I want people to have for the book where it's like sometimes when someone's telling you, hey, you should try you. Sometimes you should try it. Yeah. If it's something ridiculous, like, hey, you ever murdered somebody? Right. You ever tried crime? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might not want to try crime. Yeah, you have strong hands. Have you thought about choking somebody? Hey, you good with math. You ever thought of robbing a bank? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, you got a photographic memory. You ever thought about stealing credit card information? Maybe not. Yeah. You're a fast runner. What about smashing grabs? Have you considered it? Listen, we're still doing B&Es in this time and country. (laughs) So it's like sometimes someone can see a talent in you that you you can't see in yourself. right. So sometimes you have to go, okay, let me just see what happens. Yeah. And. Well, I want to ask you more about the book before we go. I don't want okay. to keep you too long. Um, it's. Uh, okay. This is good. 
Well, let me ask you this. There's fastballs with fits, which we started since you came on last time. Ooh, what's she? Fastballs with fits. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're going to answer ooh, them. Ooh. Okay. Um, who's the worst opener that ever went on ahead of you? A guy so bad I can't remember his name. Oh, we don't want his name. Just oh, give me the story. I'll tell you. He. I can tell you he had more merch than jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. They spent half their set promoting their merch. Yeah, and he was one of those comics who was like, well, ladies, you know you need to be doing... Hey, sir, uh-huh. you need to be really, mostly worried about the ladies and more about your hairline. <laughs> um, and so what was interesting that weekend is that, just a quick story, um, I did not know Eagle Wit, who's a great, who's an amazing comic in New York. And so I was down at the DC Improv, and I had six shows with this dude, and... And also, it's like he was also like not polite to me, uh-huh. and very kind of dismissive of me, as if he shouldn't even be opening for right. Not There's just a me, lot of that. But probably anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what "The fuck is okay?" And then um, the manager of the club was like, "Hey, you gonna throw Eagle up to do some time?" I was like, "Who? What's the point name? Eagle Wit?" I was like, "I don't know," but that dude was just, but the dude was hell. Just the opener was just so bad. Yeah, and. He was like, come on. And he was like, mm, please. And so just giant just eyes. And I was like, all right, I'll give him seven minutes. Yeah. It can't be worse than the gentleman that's going on now. Uh-huh. So Eagle does his seven minutes, and then that dude does his time, and I go up. And uh, Eagle always says, he said, I love Dulce because the first time I ever met her, she made me $1,000. Because Eagle went up, did his seven minutes. I went to the manager and said, Eagle's my opener for the rest of the weekend. No shit. And I took that dude off the show. Wow. So that guy was supposed to do six shows. I think we're doing five or six shows. And so he did the Thursday. I think he did the first show on Friday. And then Eagle was, and then I think Eagle did, so yeah, I was doing five shows. And then Eagle did the second show Friday, and then both shows shattered. Yeah, Yeah. I took the dude off. I was like, Eagle's the opener. And and then the manager of the club went, good. Nice. Because I don't know if he was also trying to get this dude off yeah, these shows. Yeah, But, yeah, I saw Eagle for seven minutes, and I was like, take that dude off my shows. So did you start bringing this guy on the road with you? Well, Eagle was already was doing stuff, so yeah. I don't know. Our schedules didn't ever coordinate. Yeah. But Do you bring somebody regularly on the I road do. With I you? bring Amina Amani, who is amazing. She's been opening for Mateo, and um, and then I'll bring uh, David Perdue, who's a comic out of Atlanta. Okay. He just opened for me, and I bring Lace Larrabee on the road with me. But she's a headliner now. She just did America's Got Talent. Uh, me and her actually started a lip gloss company together called Giggle Gloss uh-huh. as a way to sell merch on the road. Yeah. And so now we're going to start partnering with other comics for them to be able to sell Giggle Gloss as merch on the road. Nice. So, yeah, we started in – we launched in April of last year, and we've had about uh, about 400 orders. That's amazing. And I've probably packed like 350 of them. Uh-huh. So everything's at my house. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been really great. So yeah, I've had op- an opener I kicked off of because he was that bad. I like it. All right. Um, have you ever not finished a set on stage? I got very sick in 2019 and uh, I couldn't talk because uh, my tonsils were swollen up. Uh-huh. As I was speaking. Yeah. So what the club did as opposed to me doing, I had to do at least 30 minutes to get paid. So they extended the host and they extended the opener. 
and so I just did a sh- the she was like listen you got to do 30 minutes so I can pay mm-hmm. you yeah and so I've done that so I've never walked off a state but I definitely had to do a shorter set that's strong because I was dying yeah I respect um, that yeah because then I got back to uh New York and found out that I had strep staph tonsillitis uvulitis and thrush all at the same time staph is the worst of them right and so it took a month for me to get better because once I got over one, because I remember I was out of work for like, I was so sick. I lost, I couldn't eat. I couldn't keep cold water down. So I think I'd lost like 20 pounds in two weeks. Damn. I looked great when I did my half hour. Yeah. Because I was just, because I remember telling, uh, Tiffany Haddish called me to say, what's up? He said, what's going on? I said, I, I got sick and I lost 20 pounds in two weeks. And she said, come cough in my mouth. <laughs> You lost 20 pounds in like six days? I said, probably. She said, come cough in my mouth. Where are you? That's what you should have done after the show when you did your 30 minutes. Instead of selling merch, I will cough in your mouth for $20. 20 20 pounds. And so I was still sick because there was these lozenges that I had to take because the medicine I couldn't take on the plane because the bottle was too big. And I had to take two of these. I'd take five pills in a day every two hours. Wow. So one of my friends would come with me, Danielle Perez, who's an amazing comic. She had an alarm on her phone. Mm-hmm. And and every two hours, she would hand me one of these pills I had to take. Yeah. But yeah, I was down bad when I was sick like that. Damn. It was nuts. I didn't go to, I didn't, once I got better, I thought I was better because like my tonsils had gone down and then my throat felt better, but I was still not like, not like 100%. And I went back to the doctor. He's like, oh yeah, you still have strep throat. Damn. And now you still have, and you still have, and thrush. you did the full antibiotics, and you still had the strep every, throat I, because I had so much, I had staph yeah, and strep right. and tonsillitis and uvulitis, Shit. and so like one went away. So in a month, I had all of these things. Damn. And then Trevor had just had surgery on his throat, so I was like, I could not go to work. Right. Because I got better for a little bit, and they were just like, I was like, I'm not feeling. And they're like, Get out. I was at one point, I think I had a mask on because mm-hmm. it was so cold outside. Because yeah. I wore masks on planes. Starting in 2016 because people are disgusting. Yeah. So I've been wearing masks on a plane forever. You still do now. I did, especially because it was the Emmys on Monday. Uh-huh. And apparently COVID is back. And then this other thing going around where it's like it's a stomach flu and everybody's getting vomiting yeah. and diarrhea and stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to get caught out like that. My dress is expensive and I actually yeah. have a date. Yeah. So who was just a friend anyway? That's not the point. Um, but did you go to parties after it? Yeah, we went to the governor's ball after. Ooh, that's nice. Um, It's a big to do, but... Once you're at, a, like, parties at a certain age, it's like, the median age in here is, like, 48. Mm-hmm. No one's dancing, mm-hmm. really. We're just standing around talking, eating past hors d'oeuvres, and we're at a bar. Yeah. So, and then we went to the Disney party after that, and I ran into some friends. Oh, that's cool. And they got cool. to hang out with, you know, and I saw Quinta and Io and uh, Alex English, who's a um, writer over at SNL, who's very funny. So. Did you meet any new celebrities that you hadn't met before? Uh, no. No. Everybody I knew that I saw, so it was just like I saw hi to I said um, hi to Cheryl Lee Ralph again and um, Gian, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, um, and then Padma Lakshmi and I saw Janelle. So it's like now I'm getting to the point like when in my career I was like, oh I know a bunch of people at these things. How do you know Giancarlo Esposito? I met Giancarlo Esposito because uh, I was hosting. So um, two years ago I hosted the Hollywood Critics Association Awards, uh-huh. and it's like a two three hour award show. I'm hosting the whole awards, and then at the very end of it, I fell down the stairs on the backstage and twisted both of my ankles. No shit. And so I went to the. You were in high heel shoes. Yeah, but there weren't. But they were. They were brand new shoes. I never worn them before. Yeah. And so I was reaching for, and I guess I got too confident or whatever. And I was reaching for the stage hand's hand, 
at the stage manager's hand and just one ankle and I just crumbled. And then they sent like six firefighters and I was like, how big did you oh tell them I was? <laughs> six firefighters? Six firefighters? I need six firefighters. They put me in this tiny makeshift unfoldable wheelchair, got me back to my room. And I'm sitting there and I can hear the after party. And I was like, no, I'm going to this after party. So yeah. security took me to the after party in a wheelchair. No shit. And then I had to get a wheelchair for the plane because I, I twisted both of my yeah. ankles. Yeah. Wait, so Giancarlo came up to you in the and wheelchair? At the, at the after party, he was like, because I was just hosting a show. Yeah, yeah. You saw me the past two, right, three hours. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. And then now I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. So everyone was like, what happened? And Shirley Rob, like the entire cast of Elevator Elementary was like, what happened? But I already knew Quince, I already knew Janelle. Mm-hmm. And they're like, girl, what? And I was like, ah, I fell. Oh, God. And then, but we're all performers. Mm-hmm. So everybody's react, first reaction was, thank God it didn't happen during the show. <laughs> and I was like, that's what everyone, I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Thank God this did not happen during yeah. the show. That's awesome. What's the other questions? Final question. Okay. What's the hackiest bit you've ever done? Oh, man. Uh, I think you're supposed to forget those. I know. Some are etched in your mind, though, where you go, where you shudder. Damn. The hackiest bit I've ever done? Um, I guess I have a hacky bit that people hate that I, that I think is funny. Um, Where basically it's like, I always think about like a young white girl who's dating a black guy and her pa- and her family has shunned her. Disc- you know, they're racist. They don't want to talk to her. And, you know, they're good Christian folks, so they wait until they're married to have sex. And then on her wedding night, she sees she finds out that his dick is small. It makes me giggle all the time. <laughs> because it's like... Your father stopped speaking to you. And you thought you're with a black man and his, his dick is small. It's, it makes... You're the one of the few people who think... Only comics think this is funny. Yeah. Because an audience does not. <laughs> and I've said it, but it's, it's just a hacky thing. But it's like there's always this assumption because like I've seen black yeah. men with small dicks. I've seen white men with large dicks. Yeah. It's not... You know, we've set the standard and she believed it and, you know... Her dad won't even talk to her. That's hilarious. And now in this man's dick. Now you've married him. <laughs> you believe the hype. Right, right. They wanted you to marry an, an Asian guy who maybe was hung like uh, they made, some of their last names are hung. Listen, stupid. <laughs> she want, It's like your father, you know, your family, they stopped talking to you. Yeah. Your mom didn't even, your father didn't give you away. Yeah. Your mother didn't even come because they're that racist. Yeah. And this man's dick is small as shit. <laughs> it makes me... I don't know. I listen. I'm not. I don't even. This is a fictional person that yeah. I made up. Yeah. And it cracks me up. I love time. it. All right. Well, listen. The book is out. Is when did it come out? It comes out February the sixth. Okay. It's called Hello Friends: Stories of Dating, Destiny, and Day Jobs. Okay. Well, I read a bunch of it, and it's it's just great. It's very like. Thank you. I don't know. This is very genuine. It's very authentic. It comes off really nicely. Thank you. I uh, a lot of it because I asked Michelle Buteau because she wrote her book Survival of the Thickest, and my manager tricked me into writing this book, and so because I was like I don't know if I can write a book. He's like, well, let's just take a meeting. Yeah. And then that kept me, well, let's just take a meeting. Mm -hmm. And then we took enough meetings, and then somebody was like, well, we'll give you money to write this. And Mm -hmm. I was like, did I just, wait a minute. (laughs) I was like, we would just sell the book. He was like, congratulations. And I was like, no, I've been had. Yeah. So. You didn't realize you just got a homework assignment for the next year. For the next year, yes. 
And so I, she started, she told me to start with stories that I couldn't tell on stage. Yeah. And that's what the basis of, you know, me talking about like getting a nine on a math test or stories about guys that I've dated or, you know, me starting at daily show. Um, they're all things on stage that were too long to, they're all stories that were too long to tell on stage. Right. And so when I thought of the book, I thought of like, the way that I thought about when I was writing it was I'm just literally just like, okay, girl, let me tell you what happened. Okay. And then this happened. Yeah. Like basically, well, long story longer. Um, and that's the, that was the idea that I got for the book was like, I wanted to sound like I'm talking to you. Yeah. That's what it comes off as. It's very conversational. And, uh, and it's a lot, it's a lot to, uh, it, it makes you feel good about yourself in a lot of ways. There's a lot of stuff that, that, uh, struck with me. And uh, also, you. the you're on a Fox animated sitcom called The Great North. Is there a new season of that coming out? It just came out January the 7th. Okay. And so I play the character Honey Bee Shaw Tobin. Um, uh, she's the only black character on the show. Uh, she's married to one of the, the kids on the show, uh, Wolf Tobin. And I got to help design her character. Oh. So they showed me her character design. I was like, what if we just gave her an afro? And then when we got to the first table reading, I thought of a standy of her. Uh, my headshot, I have an afro, and there's a flower in my hair. So if you see Honeybee, the character, she has an afro with a flower in her hair. Nice. So that's why it's because of my headshot. I like it. you got to get a fox in that show. I know. No. Show's no. on Fox. And don't forget, wait, wait, don't tell me. You still do episodes of that? Yeah, apparently I'm going next week. Listen, Peter Sagal has not banned me yet. I love it. Because I keep showing, every time I'm on there, I'm like, ah, oh, they're not going to ask me to come back. Do you find people come out to see you at the clubs from that show? Yes, I've had a lot of people go. I heard you on Wait, Wait, Don't yeah, Tell yeah. Me. I'm a huge fan. I was like, man, because like I wanted to be on it. I love. I grew up listening to NPR, yeah. PBS, watching PBS, all of that. But when I started doing Wait, the first time, because the first time I did it was in lockdown. Yeah. And so I was like, they're never gonna bring me back in here. Yeah. And then they just keep bringing me back, That's which great. is a blessing because it's so fun to do. Yeah, I know Tom Papa and Alonzo Bowden. They've both like Uncle developed Alonzo, big yes. followings from it. Yeah, Alonzo does great on that. Um, and then you got some tour dates coming up: February one through three, Comedy Club of Kansas City. Yes. February eighth through tenth, Arlington Draft House. I was just there. Great room. Yes. February twenty eighth at the Brea Improv in California. Yes. February 29th at the Oxnard Improv. March 1st through 3rd at Zanies in Chicago, also coming to the Emanuel Theater in Pennsylvania and the Comedy Zone in Jacksonville in April. Go to, what's your, what's your website? DualStateSloan.com. And I'm going to be at South by Southwest March 8th through the 13th. Oh, well, there you go. Which is always fun, but DualStateSloan.com yeah. uh, to get my dates. And then GoogleGloss.com to buy my lip gloss. Get it. Let's get it up to 500. Yay. All right. Thanks for coming back on. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I'm just like NPR. I'm just going to keep having you back. We did. Listen, I'm excited. Anytime that I can show up somewhere and say some words All right. into electricity, I'm excited. All right. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.